0: Mars is the horizon, in the sense I can see to Mars, there are places beyond it. Maybe one day it will be possible to go beyond Mars with humans, but we can credibly talk about Mars as a human destination.
1: Welcome to the final episode in our Time in Space series. At the sake of sounding cheesy, it is actually a very exciting time for space right now. As ESA seeks its next class of astronauts, looks forward to three astronaut missions to the International Space Station, including that of Thomas Pesquet, who's up orbiting Earth right now, and then looks forward even farther to exploring the Moon and Mars. We hope you're enjoying all the new content around ESA's astronaut selection and science on the space station, but we wouldn't be where we are today without the events of spaceflight past. From intercosmos missions to ESA's first astronaut, the Space Lab Science Laboratory, automated transfer vehicles, and the launch of the Columbus Laboratory to the International Space Station, we've covered a lot in this historical series. Now it's time to cast our eyes forward to what we might have to look back on in 10 or so years' time. I'm Ellie Kohler, co-hosting as always with Stephen Ennis, and this is ESA Explores.
2: This. 7
1: 6, Six. In this episode, we have a special guest who knows a thing or two, or three, about Europe's next space destinations. We asked ESA Director of Human and Robotic Exploration, David Parker, to begin by telling us a little bit about where we're going next.
0: We can credibly talk about Mars as a human destination, but it's a long way away. A space station is 400 kilometers away. The Moon is a thousand times further than that, and Mars is another thousand times further than the Moon. So, as an intermediate place to go and live and work and learn how to live off-world, we've succeeded with low Earth orbit. We need to do it with the Moon as a place to prepare us for that much bigger, further leap to send humans to Mars. And so, for human exploration. Moon is our focus, certainly for the next 10 or 20 years, but not forgetting that we're heading to Mars. And that's why we have our robotic activities focused on Mars uh, for the next few years. To be our our scouts, our uh, first voyages there and back with robots in order to prepare the eventual human Mars exploration. But the Moon is really exciting as a destination in itself. It's four and a half billion years of solar system history being uh, soaked up and possibly tell us things about even the early history of the Earth that we can't discover here on Earth, but we can only discover by going to the Moon. So there's fantastically good reasons to go to the
3: Moon, as well as it being a stopping-off point on the journey to Mars. On that point, ESA astronaut Matthias Maurer actually gave a great talk not so long ago on some of these fantastic reasons to explore the Moon.
2: We astronauts need to go out and find the right samples, the right stones. And if we manage to find a stone on the moon, which is 4 billion years old, the scientists will be very happy because 3.9 billion years ago, they expect that the late heavy bombardment happened. It's when the heavy planets of our solar system changed position and a lot of objects became unstable and impacted the moon and impacted the Earth. So this affected also astrobiology. Going to the moon, collecting the right samples will give us a lot of knowledge about the solar system and thus about the question where in the universe might be a similar solar system, similar to ours. And that could be an indicator where we should go and look for traces of life. That was one topic, studying the moon and studying the solar system. Another topic will be learning about the cosmic dawn, setting up a radio telescope on the far side of the moon where it is shielded from the frequency, the radio noise that comes from the Earth, would allow our scientists to get information, radio waves in low-frequency bands that we cannot receive on the Earth because the atmosphere shields it. And these frequencies are from the very early phase of our universe, even from a phase before the first suns were lighting up. So this will give us information concerning the question, how did all this begin?
3: It isn't a matter of abandoning the International Space Station in favor of the moon or forgetting the moon when we fly off to Mars. Europe's future in space requires a more holistic approach. This is driven home by ESA's exploration program manager, Bernardo Patti, who you may remember from our last episode.
1: This kind of war of religion between the human exploration, robotic exploration, which was really a glorious waste of time and energy. This separation between destination the Martian against the lunatic and the low Earth orbit, all this totally dissolved.
3: But how does ESA plan to approach these three very different exploration destinations in the years ahead? We'll go back to David for that one. So I would see that uh, we will continue
0: to live and work in low Earth orbit. There are good reasons to be there, to do science relevant back here on Earth, to develop an in-orbit economy, think about in-orbit manufacturing, the research will continue to do there. It's, it's worth doing in space, but we don't need to take all the way to the moon. For the moon, the first thing we need to do is establish a foothold. And the foothold, if you like, the, the base camp is the lunar gateway. So that's our first permanent infrastructure around the moon to allow us to then repeatedly go back to the surface of the moon with humans and then explore regionally. Now, what we're particularly interested in this going forward to the moon, if you like, as opposed to just back are the polar regions. The polar regions are interesting scientifically, they're interesting because they might give us long periods of sunlight to live and work continuously on the moon and other resources that will support our exploration. So then I would see regional exploration around the polar regions of the moon, and then maybe that famous idea of a moon base. So the first permanent outpost on the surface of the moon. And while we're doing all of that, we'll be preparing the, the further steps, the technology we need to go, to go onwards to Mars. So, yeah, it's a continuous expansion that goes from early exploration to outposts to continuous occupation, if you like. And one day we'll do that with Mars. And then when, by the time we're able to do that, maybe we'll, we'll be able to think about those much more distant journeys. And always happy to talk about the, the fantasies of going into deep space, into the, into the gas giants, going towards the gas giants and the moons of Jupiter and Saturn, which would be fascinating destinations for humanity one day.
1: You've given us a big picture of this exciting future for Europe, but each journey needs to start with a step. So what is the first step or where are we at now with going to the moon?
0: so we're uh, at this very exciting point of inflection where we're preparing the transportation to get us forward to the moon so the sls rocket is preparing for its first flight Uh, on top of that will be the first uncrewed orion vehicle so orion is the new deep space space vehicle and of course using the european service module for its power and propulsion so we've already delivered the first of those. It's been tested and it's uh, preparing to go. We'll deliver the second one during the course of 2021. Uh, so we're already planning up to number six and potentially number seven, eight, and nine of the European Service Module. So that's our transportation to get into deep space. Where are we going to go to start off with? Well, it's the Lunar Gateway, our research outpost around the Moon, much smaller than the International Space Station. and most of the time operating robotically. It'll be a robotic outpost around the moon with visits by astronauts for a few days, then a few weeks, and then a few months at a time. A great place to do science by itself. It's kind of a permanent command module around the surface of the moon. If you, those of you familiar, thinking back to the days of Apollo, the Michael Collins on Apollo 11 on his own, rotating around the, around the moon whilst Bars and Neil went down
3: to the surface. So David Parker, just mentioned Michael Collins. We recorded with David Parker in late March of 2021 and sadly on April the 28th Michael Collins passed away. Before we get back to David, all of us at ESA would like to share our deepest condolences with the loved ones of Michael Collins. Few may know that Michael Collins was actually born on European soil in Rome, Italy. As David Parker will now explain, an exciting future is being built thanks in no small part to the pioneering work of Michael Collins and the teams involved in the Apollo missions. Well,
0: we'll have this permanent infrastructure there now, able to be reached not only by the giant SLS rocket, but also by commercial rockets. It's possible for us even to potentially to even send payloads to the gateway using Ariane 6. That's the exciting prospect because we're gonna contribute two out of the three habitable modules of the gateway. We've also agreed with NASA now that there will be three seats for European astronauts to fly to the Gateway on Orion through, the,
3: through this decade. ESA is not only contributing two to three of Gateway's habitable modules, as David just explained, but also the European Service Modules that will power NASA's upcoming Orion spacecraft. More about this in this next clip with ESA's European Service Module test campaign manager Pierre Bovier. The ESM's technology builds on systems used in ESA's automated transfer vehicle, which ferried supplies to the International Space Station between 2008 and 2014.
1: It provides trust from the propulsion system. It provides commodities for the crew, such as uh, water, nitrogen. It provides all of the temperature control so to keep the crew in uh, good environments. It provides the electronic equipment as well. The tests in Plumbrook
3: Station will take two months, after which the lunar spacecraft will be transported back to Kennedy Space Center to meet its launcher, the newly developed Space Launch System or SLS. With all these pieces coming together, David Parker explains what we can expect from a visit to the next destination for human space exploration.
0: Well, a mission to Gateway is going to be a whole new experience. It's really going to be exploration like the days of the 60s, so the first thing Is imagine ascending to the top of this enormous SLS rocket and strapping yourself onto the most powerful operational rocket in the world, being blasted into space and then leaving uh, on a translunar injection. And that was amazing words. TLI is go. On the few days journey. And arriving at this very interesting orbit, this famous non-rectilinear halo orbit, this very elliptical long period orbit around the moon, and arriving there to find this tiny outpost, the gateway, waiting for you. The last astronauts may have left maybe six, nine months before, and so no doubt you'll have to uh, check the status of the hardware, the robotics on board, there's a robotics arm provided by Canadian friends. Maybe experiments inside where results are to be downloaded and taken on board. And then, of course, you're going to want to look down and see the moon and prepare for your sojourn. And maybe there's maintenance to do. Maybe there is science to do. It's, it's going to be very different from the space station because the volume is not much bigger than a few camper vans. It's not the 747 space you had on the space station. So that will be maybe a bit of a shock for a long-time ISS astronauts. But then it'll all be over quite quickly by comparison, maybe a few weeks, maybe a couple of months, and you're on your way home, another few days coming back. And then, of course, the much faster, much more exciting return to uh, the surface of the Earth coming through the Earth's atmosphere, coming back from the the moon at uh, much greater velocity, and then hanging under those parachutes and into the ocean. So an amazing combination of experiences, I would think. It's hard to imagine what it'll be like.
1: And with that incredible image, we end this series of ESA Explores. Thank you for joining us on this journey through time and space. We covered some of the most memorable moments for human space exploration in Europe with the people who helped history happen. If you'd like to know more about opportunities to become involved in an exciting space sector, we encourage you to listen to our ESA Explores astronaut selection series featuring interviews with a number of different people working with ESA today. You can also find out more about space safety and security on our sister podcast, ESA Explores Space Operations. If there's anything you'd particularly like to know more about, don't hesitate to let us know on Twitter at ESA Spaceflight using the hashtag ESA Explores. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe and share via your favourite podcast platform so we can reach even more space fans in Europe and beyond. Thank you for listening to ESA Explores.